Hey, what's going on? This is Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. Excited to share an episode with Luke Shalom. He is the founder of Grow Solo and is absolutely crushing it on LinkedIn. Over the last six, seven months, he's grown to over 10,000 followers, basically starting from nothing. Talk about how he did it, some of his influences, such as Pat Flynn. He had a book called Superfans, and then also the classic book by Robert Cialdini on influence and some of the laws of reciprocity, and then also social proof. So Luke kind of gives away some of his secrets and how he's building his following and influence so quickly on LinkedIn. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Luke, thanks for coming on 3PL Live. I'm stoked to have you, man. I've been following you on LinkedIn now. I don't know if it's been about six months or so, I would say, but it's... I've seen you grow, like, I don't know, like, would it be like 5x the size of your your following since you started? Yeah, um, it's a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you so much for having me, uh, Jeremy. And I've been seeing that you've been doing a lot of, like, great stuff with podcast, and you've had on some wicked guests. So honestly, man, massively appreciate inviting me on the podcast. And yeah, um, it, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, really. Um, I started posting on LinkedIn back in... Back in June, with no sort of outcome attached to it, and things like really just snowballed. I guess I'd never even heard of personal branding until like six months ago, and here we are, <laughs> um, <laughs> doing regular posts about personal branding. Um, Eleven thousand going strong of like really great community of people all looking to uh, take the next step with their personal brands to become. I guess thought leaders on the platform and a, and a personal branding agency for a side hustle. Like, yeah, seriously grateful, man. It's really weird how uh, the universe works. <laughs> Your growth has been super impressive, man. And like, you even got the attention of Justin Welsh, I saw, like just the other day, like in one of your posts, it was it was pretty crazy that you actually got his attention because you got like, what, 300,000 followers and guys got to be super busy. So I don't know if it's some sort of like polarization. I like that thing. I think the post that you said, on that particular one was something about like there's a, a place in hell for creators don't, that don't respond to comments, which I agree with you. If like have like chat GBT or some shit do it right, like yeah. So um, we we can we can we can get into that. That was um. You know why I thought that, mate, Jeremy. We have these we have these moments where we've started out. We've got no followers. I ran a YouTube channel for six months before I did anything on LinkedIn. I mm. used to post every single week. I used to pour so much time into these YouTube videos. I used to work on the scripts. I used to think about the camera angles. Like it would take me like 10 hours a week and I'd load one of these videos up only to be met with crickets. Not a single <laughs> comment. Over the last couple of months when content has started to do well and like I'm, I'm like, every single time somebody takes the time out of their day to engage with one of my pieces of content, I'm so grateful for that. So when I'm commenting on Big Creative's post and I see that they've obviously cross-posted it from their Twitter, they're not bothered about growing on a LinkedIn audience. They're not even bothering to like reply to these messages. I just think it's a bit like rude. Like you've got the money to pay for a virtual assistant at least to mm -hmm. respond to some of the questions. And then you're asking people to buy your course. Like I'm not painting names. I'm just saying it's like, it's a give and take. LinkedIn is a place where communities are built. It's not like, look, we're in like the uh, the high balcony box, look, balcony box looking at all the, uh, the denizens, denizens below throwing mm -hmm. his nice love comments and throwing money at our courses to not even actually just respond like a human being. Like, I just think it, it pissed me off, <laughs> essentially. I, but it's all yeah, up. Yeah, I, 
I, no, I'm with you though. I mean, I feel like it's just a, a reminder as we grow our LinkedIn, just to keep that in mind as, you know, there, be there for your fans and for your audience and for the people that like supported you, I guess, is one way to look at it. What about like um, creating like your, so you write a lot about copywriting and you're doing a really good job. Like you're doing a, a really great job of like getting like engagement, getting people to actually make comments in, in LinkedIn. And I think that that's really hard to like get it to the point where there's like five, 10, 15, 20 comments happening. And it's sort of like a party or it's a community essentially in, in the comment section. So there's something to like, you're, you're picking out your audience's pain. What do you think that's like, how did you figure that out? Like what you wanted to write about for one? And like, how, how do you uncover like the pain to get like deep into like, to like, get them to comment? Yeah, it's a really great question. I think there's a couple of ways you can answer it. I think it stems back from a book that I read quite a while ago. Is but I think it's called like Pat Flynn. It's called Superfans, and he talks about building that community mm. of like a thousand fans, where if you can build a strong community, provide enough value, and treat each person like like just like an old friend, then at scale, I guess if you were to move to monetize that community one day, the results could be really sub like significant. Like if one like mm -hmm. person will spend a hundred dollars on anything that you do in a year like a thousand um, of those got a hundred K worth business. That's not the reason I'm doing it, but that were the, those were the ideas around it. And then there was this idea in the book where he talks about responding to, if you can responding to every comment that you get, he talks about if you've got frequent people who are like, let's say like, um, like a, like a super community member, like a super fan who's always commenting on all of your stuff. Take the time out of your day to send that person a DM. Take their time out of your day to send them like maybe a, a secret thing, like maybe a lead magnet that you haven't released yet. This is all stuff that I do with just people that like comment on my stuff because I'm just so um, gassed, like so excited that they are taking the time out of their day to engage with my content. And I will sort of cut them in in the DMs. We'll just say hello. Like we'll respond to, respond to nice DMs and we'll try to like, yeah, just treat him like an old friend. And that's like the main mantra behind it. But from a functional aspect of how somebody could apply this, look, LinkedIn is a social platform and engagement is basically down to the amount of outward activity that you can do. Like it's it, it's not like one of these things where you can post and ghost and might drop and expect like 100 people to turn up on a post. That ain't reality. The truth is for six months, I sat down like every single day and gave away like a meaningful comment on anything from 30 scaling up to 50 counts every single day for seven days a week. It's not for the faint hearted. It borders on borderline social media addiction, to be frank. Mm -hmm. like, it's not healthy. Um, and, like it really wasn't healthy. But that coupled with like, I guess if we shout back to some of these um, like marketing techniques, like was it Robert Cardellini's um, book Influence with the feature of reciprocity, people are more likely to give back if you've given the time to them to come out on their stuff and it's something meaningful, you're forging a connection, that sort of on a, like a micro scale, nurturing those connections every day and speaking to like say 30 to 50 accounts, you might not speak to 50 accounts in your DMs, but of those 30 to 50 accounts that you're hitting up every day, if there's people that's content you really like and you think, yeah, I like like this person's vibe, I like what they're saying, just hop in the DMs, like be a person and have a conversation. That's so valuable. And I think that's probably one of the things that has sort of very slowly started to snowball, I guess, the engagement on the post that was getting. But another thing that made a big difference was how I frame my content now versus what I was doing before. 
And I think Justin Welsh makes a really great point in this. He always hammers down the idea of becoming like a go-to expert in your niche. But you only become the go-to expert when you become known as a problem solver for your um, your community or your ideal customer profile. So mm-hmm. with the post that I write, I have essentially like a matrix of problems that a person might experience for like personal branding, like self-development or like copywriting. And I just think it's like, what problem does does my potential community members have? And to, to find out these problems, I made a couple of profiles. And to tell you the truth, I only wrote these down like very recently, but I've been doing it like almost subconsciously. Um, because content's only good if you can put if you can put yourself in the other person's shoes and um, really speak to them on their level. So I've got like two community members, I guess, where I've got the people that are looking to build their personal brands and become um they're probably early on in their LinkedIn journey or they're just starting to like wanting to monetize their brand. But then my other audience persona is um, CEOs and founders who are looking to become thought leaders in their niche to become that differentiated category of one. So you can set the price and essentially turn their profiles into opportunity generating machines. So that's what grow solo pieces. But off the back of that, for each of these profiles, I'm, I'm asking questions to myself like, what do they desire most? What keeps them up at night? What's stopping them from getting that? I basically write down like a list of problems. And then literally it's as simple as this. Whenever I come to write a post, I pick a problem. I'm like, I'm going to solve this one problem in this post. Like today's post, having trouble standing out on LinkedIn, here's how you can fix it. One single problem, solve it. And then iterated over time for each of your audience profiles, that whoever you're trying to serve, that's how you become known as the person who can solve your target audience problems. And then it starts to snowball because people start to like tell other people about it. They're like, oh, I've seen um, I've seen Jeremy's content. He makes some wicked stuff about podcasting and how to grow your podcast. Have you have you heard about him? And then word of mouth like travels fast. So it's so it's a couple of things like treating your treating like community members like old friends, going the extra mile for them, responding to comments to like looking at your ideal customer profiles um, or audience profiles, say trying to solve one problem per post as like and be a value problem solver and become that, that go to problem solver. Thirdly, I would say is in like the way that you're structuring those posts as well, because I noticed a huge uptake in the amount of engagement on the posts I was getting when I switched up what my call to actions were. And this is actually shout out to um, Matt Barker for this tip. So I went from being making very specific calls to action, which was something along the lines of, have you ever had this issue, say, with not getting enough likes on LinkedIn or not getting enough engagement? But instead of reframing that and actually going saying, look, I'm not going to assume what my audience problems are. On a post, I might drop something like, what did I miss? Thoughts, agree, or something like that. It's so broad that you're inviting anybody that was on the fence about offering an opinion now feels like I have something I could say about this. And I'm and I'm not I'm and also I'm not assuming that I am I know what the audience wants to know. So yeah, I guess that would be my answer to that question. Yeah, when it, when did you feel that it started like snowballing as far as like, you know, from going from like crickets, like from like one or two to actually like, oh, I'm starting to see some momentum here. Was it like, did you notice like a theme like on like what it was that there were like, was it like a polarizing like or, or like was, was there something there that you noticed? 
Yeah, I'm I'm going to talk about the elephant in the room right here. Right here is like on LinkedIn, it is an incredible advantage to talk about LinkedIn growth. It is the most popular hot topic going. My results would be very, very different if I wasn't talking about personal branding. I wasn't talking about LinkedIn. I'm not going to say that I'm some audience building guru. To tell you the truth, I picked a hot topic that a lot of people have an interest in and it's very hot on the market right now. And that is probably, for the most part, why a lot of these ideas have caught on like wildfire. However, I do see that there are a lot of people doing personal branding. What would make me stand out and get more traction than somebody else? That's maybe a different question, but maybe a more interesting one to that. No, not more interesting, but maybe one that I could give a better answer to. So I think it comes down to I was literally engaging like crazy. I just was just I just said to myself, Jeremy, I was like, I am going to go all in. I'm going to treat this like a job for like six months and just see what happens. And I swear that's a line that like Yasmin goes on about this, the ghostwriter. He's like, treat it like, treat LinkedIn like a job for six months and see what happens. And I just hit it relentlessly every single day. My parents didn't know what I was on about. My girlfriend was probably thinking, you're on LinkedIn again. Everybody thinks I'm crazy for like the amount of time that I was spending and leaving comments. But then that reciprocity was coming in. It was like, I, I was engaging with others, they were coming back to me. And then because the, the quality of the content was getting, uh, I guess, more nuanced and I was becoming more aware of what problems my target audience would have, like those those customer, those ICPs or like those community member profiles, I could start to hit and talk to them more directly. And I also think the, the, the content became a lot more uh, actionable. I saw at the point in time in around September, I realized that, for the most part, in this, the sort of community creative space on LinkedIn, a lot of people were talking about this idea of like, the secret to personal branding is telling your authentic story. And, and I was just thinking, yo, like, this is a platitude. There is no value in that statement. And it like, <laughs> and I get that some people say that. I get that some people's mission statement. I'm sure there is a truism. Hell, Navel Ravikant, the angel, like the, the owner of Angelist, says, "Look, differentiate through your authenticity." That that's a genuine quote from a guy who's basically running like a billion pound like business empire, but it mm -hmm. doesn't tell me how to actually do anything. So I was like, right, my wanted to make the mantra behind all of this content: how to build an audience on LinkedIn without getting lucky. Because up to this point, I'd got all this traction. I'd seen other people going viral. I guess you could say getting lucky. Even though that's, I guess, is, is an interesting term because they still put the work in to get lucky, as I then mm -hmm. later found out. Probably was a little bit bitter anyway myself. But <laughs> that's another story entirely. But yeah, like just started to think, right, right. What did I struggle with six months ago on LinkedIn? I'm going to break it down. Every single post, I'm going to make this ed ed edutainment, entertaining um, education because I feel like there's a gap in the market actually telling people how to do things like actually telling people how to like set up a side hustle get inbound leads in convert that personal call like, oh, nobody told me how to do this when i start and i was like nobody's doing this or if they are like it's not being publicized enough and crossed over with like linkedin personal branding so i guess i just started solving people's problems and i got a bit better at hook writing um as time went by I started to incentivize the use of lead magnets. So I started to create things that literally felt disgusting to give away because I could have charged for it. I've had people go like, Luke, yo, I would have literally bought this, like the stuff to do with the engagement list and how I do this. But the thing is, 
those were the materials that I gave away for free, like templates and stuff that I, that took me hours to create, etc. Those were the things that helped to generate those high share numbers, which acted as like a like almost like a turbocharger on like my LinkedIn distribution network to the point where had the algorithm post, which reached like, I guess it, I was really grateful for that. That blew up. That was so thing is that everybody thinks the LinkedIn algorithm takes 10,000 hours to master. I'll, I'll teach it to you in two minutes. So that, that post reached like a, a thousand, like a thousand likes. Um, it like culminated in like seven leads for the business. One of them actually converted into a client, which is amazing. Um, That's awesome. But that was incentivized off the back of those lead magnet that I said, look, I, if you share this, I will send you 10 high performing post templates. I do something for you. You do something for me. And that is something I've continued to do since. And I actually have another um, how to find your niche guide to send out to people. So sorry, peeps, if that's late. <laughs> but <laughs> this is what I mean to start to leverage reciprocity more, giving way more value than people would expect. And over time, I guess that that, that encourages loyalty. It's like there's this book called The Go-Giver. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm -mm. I haven't. Awesome book. This is, it's like the theory of doing business. It's like, this guy goes on a like like a business journey. He's got to close like this deal for um his company. He's, he's got to bring in this 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 person who can basically save his quarter. He will bill the highest out of anybody. And there's there's this guy in his office who essentially is like, oh, you should go and speak to this guy who can who can give you some tips on how to close this deal. And then he he sort of walks over and sees this this old man like sat on a table and he's he's thinking, yo, like. Who is this? Who is this old man? Like, what's he going to tell me about anything? And it's basically like a parable of the power of giving. And in every single one of these scenarios, you, you meet like a person who's like running a business, but like really selflessly. You meet a person that is within a business and goes out of the way to like network and connect other people together. But, but the story is it is is just give, 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 give more than you get. Give without any expectation and not even expecting to get anything back. But this is how like magical things happen. I just literally took that much on board. It's like, I'm going to give as much value as possible that literally I could have charged for to get to the point now where I feel like I've been really grateful to see the results. And that might be a testament mixed with what else I've said to do with like the way that those posts were framed, the uh, the ICP, the, the, lead, the lead magnets and the open call to action on comments is probably what has had a massive impact on the amount of comments I'm getting and that snowballing engagement that I guess you're seeing with the account now. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to watch. And I am a fan of uh, Pat Flynn. I have that book too about super fans. And I agree with that. I think it's better just to build a smaller tribe like, and just kind of do it consistently and kind of have like a good connection with these people than have like an inflated type of thing. Another thing that I think is interesting mm -hmm. too is like, there's a guy named Kevin Kelly. He's like the one of the founding editors of Wired Magazine. And he has that yeah. same kind of concept that you could live off like a certain amount of fans if like you build it and like you get hundred dollars, few hundred dollars or whatever it is per year for each person or whatever. And so you don't really need that many fans to actually make a living, which I also thought was super interesting. But I also want to talk to you a little bit about like lead magnets. How do you how do you think about lead magnets as far as like you like brainstorm ideas as far as like what a popular post is, and then you kind of figure out like what like what what are some examples of lead magnets you've done again? Great question. I feel like a great lead magnet is something that will solve a really obvious problem for your audience. Uh, an example, let, let, let's, let, let's, let's talk about the template example. So obvious problem, ob obvious problem for audience, maybe like a non-obvious problem for the audience, sorry, that they would, 
have like a real difficulty solving so like writer's block is quite a like a semantic thing like it's it's more about how it feels and it can be really frustrating and it's caused by a multitude of factors let's think about an obvious way and like an obvious solution to solve that problem would be to like use systems use writing templates and that has an obvious outcome which is relieves your writer's block and you can now write posts um so that's like the framework um i usually put like lead magnets through is if they can either solve a non-obvious problem with an obvious solution, or if they can solve a obvious problem, no, if they can solve an obvious, like a non-obvious problem with an obvious solution. Uh, and then uh, that, that's basically the framework I put through everything. And then what I usually do is I think, look, I, I always put it through like this, this weird litmus test that, that I think Zach goes on about, like the guy that builds funnels. Pink hoodie like, guy. He's sick as well. If it, yeah. I always call him Machine Gun Kelly. Shout out to Zach. <laughs> he's, he's, his content is so dope on like funnels. Anybody would, in fact, when I get them, when I, when I get the, uh, when it makes sense, I'll, I will be hitting him up for services. He's sick. Yeah, he says, look, if, if like a lead magnet should be so good that like it should be like it should hurt to give away. And like that is like the litmus test now is like it has to be so valuable that it hurts me to give it away because I know that that's good. I know that it's going to do well. And I know that's another like really semantic thing as well. It's how it feels, but it's it seems to have worked so far. Touch wood. And then I guess it, it's really organic, man. Like a lot of the time a lead magnet might just be something that I look at my own creative process and I think, oh, could that solve a problem for somebody else? Like, for example, it's not a lead magnet, but it was like an idea magnet, I guess, was the engagement list. And I hadn't actually seen anybody talk about that before on LinkedIn. Somebody might have talked about it before and it might already be a thing, so I'm not going to take the claim on it. But that was another post that went like semi, did semi-viral, not viral, but did, reached about like 50. 70,000 people or something for like an instructional post. But the thing, I guess the reason why that was interesting is it was just something that I had built for my own personal creative process. I was like, I'm going to share this with the community to see if this is something that could help them. And, and again, it, and it landed well. So that's a litmus test, I'd say, for what makes, in my personal experience, a successful lead magnet. I like that. Someone actually had uh, this litmus test a while back ago. She's like, if you want to do something, you either, either want to do it and say hell yeah or like no so it kind of reminds me of that it's kind of like you know like if it's like worth doing it you, it, you get to get excited about it but it's interesting yeah, too because yeah. like zach did teach me something with like through one of his posts he had this like wireframe that was like talking about a lead magnet and he was saying that a lot of people just like have like their hero banner and it doesn't really do anything it's just kind of talking about themselves or whatever and he was saying just put like the the lead magnet is like their pain one, pain two, pain three, and then outcome one, outcome two, and outcome three, and then a video testimonial. Yeah. So he had like all like this like really like cool way of looking at it. And I, I think that it's more speaking to the problems of like, hey, I, I suck at writing or I have writer's block and, and here, fill out my my form to subscribe to my newsletter type of thing. So I, I realized like I have like my own personal website for a side hustle too. And I realized that I didn't do what Zach was saying to actually make the lead magnet. I need to make one myself. So like... I'm thinking about it like in terms of that as well, but how do you, I know that you have your, your mailing list as well. How do you, like, what are you planning on doing with like your mailing list? Do you write like a one newsletter a week or like, what's your plan for that? To tell you the truth, Jeremy, I'm, I'm not a, a mailing list um, guru. Like I, I'm not a master at this. If anything, like I've released one, one, sure. one mailing list letter. I've yeah. got the other next one coming out tomorrow. Um, nice. The, like it's, it's been nice to see, I think we're on like, 
280 subs now, um, which is cool. Like, it's really nice to see that people actually care enough about the ramblings of a person on LinkedIn <laughs> to sign up. But That's yeah, like, man. what is it for? Look, I think it's cathartic. I love writing. I, I felt like a lot of the time I write posts which are far too long and I always end up cutting out so much stuff. And I just thought, what if I could just sit down and write a long post once a week and then repurpose those into smaller posts and those smaller posts become the content for the week like you know like a hub and spoke model like so the the the, um, the newsletter is the hub of the wheel and then the spokes are all my small bits of content which are released in the lead up to that newsletter and that has mm-hmm. been actually like a lot less stressful as a like a content strategy to create content that sort of has a cohesive theme and makes sense and it's also a way of deplatforming as well um which i was getting a bit skitsy about the fact that like if linkedin wanted to they could like just take your account away from you and all of that like six months of work would just get flushed down the toilet Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't want that to happen it made sense but what does that look like and what purpose is it yes I'm going to try and go for once a week it's going to be um, proven tips on audience building to grow your personal brand keeping it very like like edutainment like entertaining but instructional it will really be I guess like helping like to deepen trust with my audience to give them like an opportunity maybe if they wanted to have coaching with me and um, for personal branding if um or even like my like more like service-based business on growing ceo's personal brand so it's like a way of like i guess lead nurture as well over time but also i am in the work in like in the process of like working out like what my like low to mid ticket offer will be I want it to be something which is really, really significant, but I thought a great time would be a great time to to start a mailing list would be now there's some traction of getting some traffic. As Zach says, don't waste your traffic, at least at least have it go somewhere. So for now, it's just about keep giving, keep giving, keep, keep showing up and being valuable. And then hopefully if the people feel like it's valuable enough at some point to say, like, buy a product that has had a lot of great deal of care and love go into it that will be amazing. That will be like beyond anything. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I am scared of like getting deplatformed from like LinkedIn and spending all that time and then just having like nothing from it. So I do think it's a smart idea to have like your own mailing list and then also just to get on deeper with these people and like kind of build like a community out. So I, I think that's really cool. But as far as like offers go, I know that like you could either do like a digital offer, like a course say, or you could even do like one-on-one coaching or whatever it might be. How do you look at that? Like, do you think eventually if like you say, let's just say you grow your subs to like 20,000 or something like that and like in a year, whatever. (laughs) And then let's let's just say that happens. Do you you see yourself like, uh, I don't know, like just building out video courses and then selling like, I don't know, like a $50 course or a hundred, 200 bucks or like, how do you, what what are your, we're not there yet, but like, what are your thoughts just initially? Like your, what are you thinking? I think as as like a digital entrepreneur, I guess, is that's the classification of somebody who's who's building a community online and, and, and monetizing the proceedings off the back of it. I think mm-hmm. there's a really interesting idea here is the idea of Naval Ravikant, like one of my, I guess, a mentor I've never met. He's He had that tweet storm, how to get rich without getting lucky. His book, um, The Almanac of Naval Ravikant, is like one of the best things I've ever read. So I definitely recommend going to read that. He talks about this concept of digital leverage and he talks about this way of like really leveling the playoff field for like wealth. So I guess it provides this way of like creating like a huge distribution network for, I guess, for you to share your specific knowledge at scale. The reason why I'm really interested in 
building, I guess, this digital or social leverage on social media and LinkedIn is it's allowed me to help a lot of people at the same time with a certain problem, but it also means I'm not tied to my own time. And the idea of creating a course or like like a subscription service or a community or any of these things, it takes me out the, the, the equation because right now my earning potential is married to the time that I put into it. And that is something that I think I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not a wealthy dude like I intend to be in the future, but I think that only happens at the point when you can take like, you, you, you can earn with, like, as, as Naval says, earn with your mind, not your time. And taking your, taking like, the, how much work you're doing like out of what you're earning i could have framed that so much better how let me let me think about how i could frame it better yeah just unmarrying your time from your earnings so if, mm. if, if all i have to do is post and continue building this distribution network and i've got like a like a lower ticket offer for a course let's say it's like x amount of money like under a hundred dollars i want it to be accessible for loads of loads of different people from all walks of life to afford it i'm not in the market of like that's what my higher ticket services for is for those people that that potentially have that can afford that higher ticket i want to be able to help people at scale but let's say it's like a like a like a smaller ticket product i only have to build the distribution and i only have to keep showing up and writing posts and then i can actually just in theory in a in, in an ideal world have these course purchases coming in the background but i haven't done it so i don't know if that's going to work yet but that's the reason why i think that's what really attracts me about like digital entrepreneurship and the idea of like selling courses online on marrying your yeah, time from your earning potential. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I th- I think it works too because I've seen like obviously Justin Welsh do it and then also Dan Co seems to have done it too. At least like it seems like oh, they're yeah. building like these distribution channels and then like kind of funneling everything into like these communities or courses or whatever. So I guess I have like one last question for you, but I, what do you think about like social proof too? Cause I feel like you almost like the ones I've noticed like Justin's course, for example, the one that he had on like LinkedIn growth or whatever, he had like so many freaking like reviews that were like, I think they automated the review process. And so did Scott Lee's cause I talked to him like a couple weeks back and he said that they automated, they used some tool to basically automate the, the reviews inside the course. So I'm I'm just wondering though, like, do you think that like social proof as well? Like, you kind of need that that social proof, and and at some sort of level, like, when you don't have any social proof because we're just like now building it for the first time, like, you almost have to. I almost feel like I have to do it for free for the first like I don't know like ten or twenty people, and then get that proof and then get it going. How do you do you think about that as well? Great question. I think social proof is is very powerful. But what we're nodding back to Robert Cardellini's um, principles of persuasion again. Yeah, it's people are definitely more convinced when you when you've got actionable client results, and it makes it does make a big difference and definitely reduces friction in the buying process. However, there are ways that you can get around it. Like I, I landed. The first client I ever landed for the service, I had no social proof. I only the only social proof I had was the actual results that I had. We can also get around this aspect of social proof by building guarantees into the offer, like putting. Um, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, <laughs> <It's going> absolutely. <laughs> you know, putting your cojones on the line, um, oh, yeah. like to say, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deliver you the results. If I don't give this to you, I'll give you a full refund. That's like that's, that. that's one thing it alleviates the need for social proof because what I think what people 
are thinking about when they're going through the buying processes, am I going to be stuck in this horrible situation? So you're kind of tweaking the offer essentially to make it so that the offer is like so good that they, it's like kind of like you can't refuse it because like, Hey, get your money back if you don't like it. And you're obviously doing well because you have your results from your own LinkedIn. So I, I really like that. Had a little bit of an audio issue at the end there. So some of the rest of the interview got a little bit cut off, but I hope you enjoyed that interview with Luke Shalom. He definitely crushes it. If you're into personal branding and LinkedIn growth, definitely go follow him on LinkedIn. He's a great follow. Posts a lot about copywriting, personal branding, and then the monetization, kind of this digital entrepreneurship. But uh, it's really interesting. I love podcasting. You really get to know people from all walks of life and from all over the world, which is really fascinating. And if you enjoy 3PL Live, make sure to review us on Apple or Spotify. We always appreciate the endorsement. Thanks so much. Bye.